Hello and welcome to another episode of the Upgrade You podcast. It is just me again today. Um, not sure exactly where Jonathan is, but he said he was going away for the weekend, so hopefully he's having a good time. Um, I've been left to answer your brilliant questions again this week, and I hope that some of you have got involved in the finishes this week that Jonathan's been putting up. Some of them, I have to say, pretty brutal, and I would consider at least half a workout in themselves. But we do like to challenge you guys, so I hope that you're enjoying that. First question this week is from Anna, and she says, In the long term, does your hunger reduce along with your weight? Essentially, um, if I'm three stone lighter, am I always going to want to eat the same amount as I did when I was three stone heavier? So basically, will I always be hungry when dieting? Um, And this can be pretty demoralising if you believe that you will be, um, especially if you think that it's unsustainable because you feel so hungry. And it's one of the reasons that a lot of people fall off track or go off their diets. So... I have some good news. This isn't necessarily the case. And there's numerous reasons for this. And I'll go through a few of them just now. So number one would be your sensitivity to satiety signals. So satiety being the opposite of hunger. Um, As you lose body fat, you will become more sensitive to your hunger and satiety signals. So one of the mechanisms by which this happens is your brain's ability to read leptin. So leptin is a hormone that is produced by our fat cells. Um, And in theory, the more leptin that you have, the less your drive to eat should be. Because leptin being there is a sign that you have ample energy in stored body fat. However, this obviously doesn't exactly happen because otherwise no one would be overweight and we wouldn't have this drive to eat if we were overweight. So chronically high levels of leptin leave the brains less sensitive to leptin, which means it isn't able to turn off these hunger signals. Sorry, can't really speak today. Um, So leptin, the brain can't sense leptin as well as it maybe should, which means it can't turn off hunger signals. And this is sort of known as leptin resistance. So it's in a way, very similar to insulin resistance. Um, Despite the leptin or despite the insulin being there, the body can't read those signals and doesn't react in the same way. Now, as you lose body fat, the brain's sensitivity to leptin can be restored. Um, And this means that when leptin is present, the brain can signal to reduce food intake um, and actually also signals to increase activity levels as well. Another reason that you won't always feel hungry when dieting is that you get used to these smaller portion sizes. Um, I guess that's pretty self-explanatory, but you may realise that smaller portions fill you up. You become a bit more attuned to what your body actually wants. Um, Your taste changes as well. You'll realise that maybe you feel full after your first portion um, as opposed to normally you just go back to the second straight away. Little things like knowing that it sometimes takes 
10 to 20 minutes for your brain to realize or your stomach to realize that it's full and that you don't need to eat anymore. So waiting between that first serving and that second serving, if you're still hungry, leave it 10 minutes and see if you are actually still hungry or if you're just not quite sure you're full yet or your brain hasn't realized that you're full yet and hasn't turned off those hunger signals. Um, Another good way to reduce hunger is make better food choices that will make you feel full. So, for example, eating more home prepared meals, that's always going to be less calories. Um, Eating higher volume foods, adding protein, all these things are going to increase your satiety and reduce your hunger. Another thing that Jonathan and I always harp on about is turning behaviours into habits. So if you constantly practice a behaviour, it will become habitual, meaning that it requires less conscious effort to complete. So, for example, if initially avoiding snacks between meals is extremely hard, this doesn't mean it always will be extremely hard because this behaviour will require less willpower over time and it will almost become subconscious. You'll just not eat between meals because you're used to not eating between meals. You won't have to consciously make an effort to avoid doing so. And finally, anecdotally, I found from working with loads of clients, and I guess myself as well, that it tends to get easier to stick to these lifestyle changes the longer you practice them. So again, that's probably about turning behaviours into habits. Um, Maybe you find ways to fit your diet around your lifestyle as opposed to the opposite. Maybe you discover that you aren't as hungry as you thought you were and that these signals are sort of being messed up or that you just are used to eating at certain times or are used to eating a certain amount and actually if you eat less, you don't feel any more hunger there. Um, And hopefully you start sort of falling in love with the process, enjoying exercise, enjoying healthy eating and seeing the results that you're getting from that, which will make it far easier to stick to. Um, So it's likely going to be a combination of all of that. I would note that this, the above or what I've spoken about doesn't really hold true if you are lean already. So if you have a lot of weight to lose and you lose a lot of weight, you can sort of expect what I've just spoken about to happen. If you are very lean, looking to get a bit leaner, say, for example, for a photo shoot or contest prep, you're probably going to get more and more hungry the leaner you get. However, this should be less of an issue because you're not looking to maintain this level of body composition. So as you then eat more after and put on a bit of fat, your hunger levels will subside. So hopefully that covers that one. Brilliant question from Anna. And I'm going to move on to Lisa Adams, who's asking, with regards to the new training programs, what are the benefits of altering rep ranges for the exercises? For example, barbell squat, the first set is 12 reps, the second is 10, the third is 8. Anyway, the sets are going down. The reps are going down in each set. Um, And then you have exercises where it's three sets of 20 reps. Why is this and how is it working the muscles differently? So that is a brilliant, brilliant question. Um, And essentially, I like you going heavier on the core exercises. So, for example, a barbell squat. I want you, A, the higher reps to start with, but partly to warm you up because most people don't do a full warm-up before squats. And if you're lifting heavy, so for sort of sets of eight or six, we're looking at you lifting very heavy weights. We want you to have some kind of warm-up before that. So although we 
we suggest you do some cardio and get yourself physically warm. Doing a few sets at, at higher reps with a slightly lighter weight is beneficial too. Plus it adds in more volume. So all benefits there. And basically we want you to be able to push yourself by the last set and keep moving up weights with each set. One of the reasons that I have clients do this and I find it works really well is that often we either under or overestimate our sort of eight. If I told you to do three sets of eight, you might underestimate the amount you can lift and then maybe only find your sweet spot in the last set. Whereas if you're continually um, increasing your weight in each set, you'll be able to find more likely what your true sort of eight rep max is and really be able to push yourself in the last couple of sets. Plus, it gives your muscles that um, maximal force development. So we're looking at you lifting as much as you can. So we're looking at heavier weights for the lower reps. And then for what I term the sort of assistance exercises, you're lifting um, for more reps. So th that would be the three sets of 20. Now, there's kind of a number of reasons for this. One, it definitely gets your it gets more volume in so you're doing higher rep ranges um you also just don't want to lift that many okay i'm gonna turn that round so an, an example of an assistance exercise would be your say for example um cable flies now your compound exercise for chest might be bench press and maybe i've given you you know, your first set's 12, and then you're going to go heavier for 10 reps, and then you're going to go heavier for 8 reps. I wouldn't have you do this on flies. I don't know if anyone's ever tried doing a sort of 8 really heavy reps on flies, but it doesn't really work. Some exercises are better done on higher rep ranges. Yes, it will work your muscles slightly differently. Some exercises, like I said, are better for doing this than others. Um... It also just stops you getting bored, you know, changing up your rep ranges. If we'd set you three sets of 10 for every exercise, it gets really boring and higher reps sometimes give you that pump feeling and it's a good feeling. And yeah, basically it's going to work your muscles in different ways. We're still going to get the strength aspect. You'll also find that you can have shorter recoveries when you're doing three sets of 20. We want you to take longer recoveries for the compound movements so that you can really lift as heavy as you can. So it would be, you know, what we don't want you to do is do 12 sets on the first rep, take a minute recovery and then do 10 reps. Like on the initial compound exercises where we want you to lift heavy, I don't mind if you take three to four minutes between sets as long as you're lifting as heavy as possible. And then for your assistance exercises where you're doing higher reps, say 20 reps, you probably don't need as much recovery between each set. So next question from Jax. It's a bit of a long one, she says. So since having a baby six months ago, I'm finding I have two good weeks, quote unquote, and two bad weeks, quote unquote, in the month. Um, what I mean by this is the week directly before my period and the week of it, I literally want to eat my body weight in chocolate or anything sweet. Um, I never had a sweet tooth before I fell pregnant. I was always more of a savoury person. My downfall was cheese, which I've now gone off completely. It's mad. Um, I'm going to stop. This isn't the full question, but I'm going to stop here and just have a little 
my comment on this. Um, it is it, it is mad, like it is kind of very strange that your taste can completely change during and then after pregnancy. Um, yeah, and it is strange, but it's not uncommon. It happens quite a lot. Um, and for some people that change is permanent. But what I will say is that your hormones should calm down and this should like over time maybe reduce, especially your cravings. You might you might keep your sweet tooth and you may not be as into your savoury foods or your cheese as you ever were. Um, but what should happen is your craving should reduce. So these sort of good and bad weeks shouldn't be as drastic as they are at the moment. Back to the question. So Jack says, anyway, I find I also have very little energy the week directly before getting my period sometimes meaning I don't do training at all. If I force myself to train, I feel better for it, but sometimes I just can't get there as I'm totally exhausted and feel quite achy. So certainly what I would suggest is if you are exhausted, listen to your body. But what I do suggest is to still do the exercise, but maybe reduce the volume and or the intensity. So for example, you might do two sets of an exercise instead of three and maybe do that with a lighter weight. Um, sometimes you may just need to take all the pressure off yourself in regards to exercise and just get to the gym. And once you get there, just say, right, I'm going to do 10 minutes on this bike. If I still don't feel like doing anything, then I'll go home. I guarantee you by the 10 minutes on the bike, you're feeling a little bit warm. Okay, I'll do another 10 minutes on this and then I'm a bit sore. So do you know what? I'm just going to pick a few of my favourite machines and I'm just going to do two sets on each and then I'm going to go home. The benefit you're going to get from that is absolutely huge and you'll probably feel a bit more energised after the gym. So not every session is going to be the best session you've ever had and you might just have to accept that during those two weeks some of your sessions aren't going to be as intense as the sessions that you would do maybe in your better two weeks. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, you'll get a huge benefit from exercise even if it's not maybe the session you had planned to do um, you certainly don't have to go hard or go home it's more about getting something done when you don't feel 100% um, and to continue with your question she says it's really frustrating as the other two weeks I feel great I have lots of energy eat well and enjoy my training Obviously, the results I'm getting are not as good as they could be, as I feel I am taking one step forward and two steps back. I wondered if you had worked with anyone else who had experienced similar circumstances or if there were any vitamins or anything else I should perhaps be taking. If you could recommend any advice, would be welcome. So first of all, I've already answered some of this question, but first of all, thank you so much for asking this question because, yes, I've had loads of clients who struggle with um, similar issues around their periods um, so you're not alone and it's not uncommon and hopefully the answer to these questions or just even you asking that will help others in the group as well so please, thank you very much for sharing this um, so yeah it's you're not the only one struggling with it it's very common however I know it must be extremely frustrating especially as like you say, you've got loads of energy, you're eating well and you're enjoying your training during your other two weeks. So what I would say is use these sort of quote unquote good weeks 
really well. So really hit your training sessions, uh, make sure your diet's on point. And then in the, I don't want to say bad weeks, but the less, okay, we'll just say bad weeks. Um, focus on sticking to your calories, being as active as possible. So trying to get those 10,000 steps in and then still getting your exercise in, but just take the pressure off yourself. So you don't need to be doing, you know, pushing yourself in every set. You don't need to be feeling uncomfortable. You don't need to get sweaty if you don't want to. Just focus on getting in and getting something done. Um, in terms of if there's any vitamins you should be taking, etc., what I would say is you should maybe go to the doctor and get your blood checked because you might be a bit anemic, so a little bit low on iron. This might explain the tiredness and it's certainly more likely that you'll be anemic around the time of your period because your body's getting rid of a load of blood. Um, that can make your iron levels a bit lower. That can make you feel a bit tired and lethargic. So make sure you're initially make sure you're getting some good sources of iron in your diet. And if you feel you might need to supplement with that, then I would speak to your doctor first and see if you can get some tests done. Annoyingly, what you might find is that if he tests you on your good week, then it might not show that you're quite low in iron. And if he tests you on your bad week, it might be, you know, show that you're very low when actually it fluctuates. So maybe do, I guess, just give your doctor the full picture and tell them that, you know, this is how you feel. You're very affected by your hormones at the moment. Um, and your cycle's making you extremely tired at some times of the month and you don't have much energy and you're wondering if it's something to do with your iron levels but you know that these may fluctuate and they'll be able to give you a good idea with that information. Um, in terms of diet, foods which are high in iron include, I guess I have to say liver because it's sort of the most well, well known and probably the highest level of iron is in that but it's pretty gross so also... Most meat, fish, tofu, if you're vegetarian. Um, there's a lot of iron-fortified breakfast cereals or breads now. Um, eggs have iron in, pulses and beans. Some dried fruit, especially prunes and raisins. Um, and whole grains, such as whole grain brown rice. So there's some things that you could add into your diet and see if they help, especially around your time of the month. Um, and... Yeah, if you do want to get some blood tests done, then definitely go and see your doctor and explain how you're feeling. And Jack's had one more question, which is, is it okay to go over your protein allowance regularly by, say, 20 to 30 percent? Sorry, 20 to 30 grams. Sorry, I thought that had stopped recording, but it hasn't. So sorry for the slight pause there. But dramatic effect. Um, yes, it is absolutely fine to go over on your protein as long as you're staying within your calories. Um, yeah, we've kind of gone over that multiple times, but your main focus is to hit your calorie target every day or at least on average over the week and then to get good source of protein in with every single meal. If you go over your protein, we have absolutely no problem with that. So those are your questions for this week, and that's a wrap-up of the podcast. I'm sorry if it was a little bit disjointed, as the recording device I'm using doesn't seem to be picking it up as well as usual. 
Um, please do ask questions for next week. And again, huge thanks to those who have, especially Jax, because that's quite a personal question. And she's let you all hear the answer. And hopefully it helps some of you guys too. I'm sure it will resonate with some of you. Um, so yeah, have an awesome week. Enjoy the finishes. And I will speak to you next week.